0: Welcome to all the social ladies. With CEO of Likeable Media Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hi and welcome to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likable Media, and today I am So excited to be here with Carrie Tylowski. Carrie is the director of business development at Likeable, and I'm really excited for her to share her story because she is somebody who came right out of school and just went for it and excelled and grew very, very quickly to the top of an organization. And I'm just so happy to see where her career goes from here. It's totally unlimited, and I hope a lot of our younger listeners can learn from her today. So, welcome,
1: Carrie. Thank you. Thank you so much for all those complimentary aspects.
0: Well, quite true, I have to say. I have seen it firsthand. So what I think would help a lot of our listeners would be for you to tell us about how you got started from internship and then grew into your career. And I think telling, like, the whole story of your career path within business development mm-hmm. is such a great its such a great story and very inspirational for a lot of young
1: people. So I think you should tell it. Oh, thank you. Well, all of it was very much by chance that I wound up both at Likeable and then on an internship and moving down to New York and then in new business. And so I guess I'll start with what attracted me to Likeable. I was sitting downtown at a cafe and looking for marketing internships in the city because my... My major in college was Chinese language, East Asian studies, and political science. So quite typical to be looking
0: for a marketing internship. (laughs) Yes.
1: And my initial thought was actually with my knowledge of Chinese language, I was going to take that and go to a company that wanted to have an expertise in both marketing and Chinese. And then I was going to work for a company that wanted to bring Chinese companies to America or American companies going into China. I thought that that would be lucrative and interesting and would give me the opportunity to travel a lot and do all these things that I loved. And what ended up happening was I got an internship opportunity up in Boston where I went to school with Likeable, and I met a very genius person up there, Jenna, who I do not believe yet has been interviewed. She is, in fact, an upcoming guest yes. on all the So Jenna Lavelle will be fantastic, but I learned a lot from her, and I started to have a better understanding of brands and marketing, and having never taken any kind of business or marketing class, I really found myself quite fascinated by the opportunity that we had to really influence brands and give them something that would essentially armor them to go in and make a difference and make a change in the marketplace. And when I came down to New York, I was working for accounts and really working at Likeable for the clients that we currently have and making content and all of that stuff. And I found that I was gravitating more towards hearing and solving business problems versus doing more of the execution, you know, the executional things, which we still do at Likeable. And so when I got the opportunity to work with Mallory in New Business, where I was a person taking a lot of the intake calls and hearing the challenges and problems firsthand, I found that that was really where my passion lies, in hearing what they're doing and what they want to be doing differently and how we might be able to help. So
0: really approaching a business before they've had a chance to attack the problem.
1: Yes, and helping them in their minds frame their business challenges so that they understand what they're even asking. A lot of the time when I talk to a new brand, they're not even really sure where the opportunity lies for them because they're not really sure what they're missing right now. Social is still very much a bit of the Wild West, even though we've had several years now and a lot of brands are officially on Facebook or Instagram or wherever they are. It's still hard to have that marriage between a business objective And a social strategy. And so figuring out where those lines cross is really important. And that's something that I really enjoy doing.
0: Now, Carrie, since, of course, I have witnessed your whole career uh, thus far, (laughs) um, one of the things that I know from personal experience is that as the leader of Likable, I could never really nail what was perfect for new business at Likeable. And I had brought in a lot of senior people. I had experimented with people with lists of contacts and all of these different things. And and you were kind of in a supporting role there. And then you kind of presented yourself as the person who could do it. Was Mm -hmm. that something that was frightening to you? Was it frustrating being underneath people who were not seeing the same success who were at a senior level? How did you, at your young age come to have the confidence to step up to that position? How did that come to be?
1: I would still say that I don't have the full confidence, so thank you (laughs) for thinking I do. Well, you appear to have a tremendous amount of confidence. Um, I would say all of those things that you mentioned, frustration and confusion and uh, a lack of confidence because, I mean, Even today, I'm only 24, and I often feel like, What am I doing in these rooms with these big people who have these long life experiences? And what I've realized more recently is that it's not really so much about my experience, it's about my ability to connect with people. And that's something that I've always been able to do fairly easily. And I think that it was less about saying to somebody, Okay, I've worked at this place, and this place, and this place, and more the comfort that they felt in saying something to me and having me be able to process it and say it back to them, realizing that that was their end goal totally changed everything for me. So they weren't caring so much about all these accolades and all this experience I had. And when I finally kind of reframed the situation for myself and I said, they don't really care as long as you are good at what you're doing now. The past isn't so important. That's when I really gained the ability to do that.
0: And do you think that social media in particular – is a place where experience matters a little less? Do you think that because it's a newer, still a relatively new field, does it matter less? Or is it really about solving business challenges? Like, where do do you see that coming into play? Because I I would imagine that from the outside, you would think, oh, social media is so new and fresh. We need a lot of new, fresh people to be doing this. Or is it something that is more, um, in fact, in need of experience? What do you see?
1: I think that people use the youth aspect for social media a lot because it definitely is an industry that skews younger. And maybe that's great. I think that having young and fresh opinions on things is fantastic. But I think that what is actually successful about anything in marketing, because every kind of marketing was at one point a hugely new thing. And so even something like Fireside Chats, which now has led to something like podcasts, that was once incredibly new. And it didn't mean that it was something that had to be executed by younger people who got with the times. I think that what's more important is being able to have that translation, sort of the Rosetta Stone of marketing. And so you can show people, not that it's so youthful and fun and different, but more it is youthful and fun. But these are all the ways that it's making changes. And this is how you can compare it to what you're doing internally or maybe what you've done with another kind of marketing technique. And so it's less about... Um, seeing it from a different perspective and more about seeing it from the perspective of them and then going back to your initial so you can help them translate. And so would
0: you say that that's part of the quality of a, of a good new business person is the ability to see things from another's perspective?
1: Yeah, I think it's important for definitely for new business, but for anybody who is dealing with somebody as a client, you know, somebody where they're not internal. So at Likeable, we always say we're the experts at social media and you're the experts at the brand. We're never going to be the absolute experts because we don't sit there every day. We don't know them in the same intimate way. But we are able to look at it objectively and see the, p- the patterns and the trends and we can figure out ways that they'll be able to help their brand and not have to have something always coming from the internal so they can have that external opinion. Mm -hmm.
0: And so, Carrie, you're at the forefront of hearing people's challenges in social. (laughs) What would you say is the biggest challenge facing brands right now in social media?
1: Um... I would say right now, it's that there are so many networks. So a few years ago, there was only Facebook, and it was all about convincing people to be on Facebook. Now there's Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, blogs. There's so many options that brands are more often saying, where do I even begin? What is a good network for me to focus on? Should I be on a network other than Facebook if Facebook has just the mass number of people on it? And I think that getting them to understand That you don't necessarily need to be on Pinterest if you're selling to men over the age of 50. I mean, there's lots of different reasons and rationale. And so it gives us a lot more options. But it also, I think, can be kind of confusing and scary for people who aren't as familiar with it.
0: And do you also find that there is a challenge of showing a return in social?
1: Are people looking for that answer from agencies? Yes, absolutely. They're looking for a return. I think that one thing that we're switching towards, which is a more positive um, kind of change in the marketplace, is that We're no longer just equating ROI to dollars or to even necessarily impressions. Now we're looking at social as actually having to give much more highly qualified return in terms of this person is actively talking about you and endorsing you and essentially saying that they're a loyal brand member to you. And what is that worth compared to somebody buying a $5 Item from you. And so I think that the shift is less towards the hard dollars and more towards building a really, really quality fan base and audience and community that's going to talk with your brand. And that's going to become a much more in demand currency. And that's going to become the actual human value is what's going to become much more important as people start to. Mature and brands are going to have to force people to have more of an allegiance one towards the other. So, you think the demand is becoming less transactional and more
0: loyalty based?
1: Yeah, because a lot of the brands I talk to as well, they are less concerned about getting a one time customer and much more interested in let's increase the value of our current customers. And it, when we bring on a new customer, what can we do to ensure that they're going to buy monthly or yearly or, you know, whatever their typical pattern looks like? That's what's more important because that's what they're cultivating is this much longer life. Long relationship. So,
0: in terms of talking to all of these different prospects. You talk to all of them. You help solve their problems. <laughs> Do you ever... It's, it must be very exciting. Is it difficult for you to then part with them when you turn them over to be actually all of your stuff come to life?
1: Yes, and I think that that's an ongoing challenge, and I think it's difficult in a couple ways. The first is that I often don't want to really leave. I love the clients that I would get to work with, and because we're not really fully working together yet, we tend to have, you know nothing but rainbows and sunshine and flowers. (laughs) And so we always have a great time together and we form really strong relationships. And so it's, um, you know, it is difficult to not be able to work with them and kind of see the fruits of our labor come to pass. But we also have a really, really strong team and a very transparent team. And so I think that we're able to see and acknowledge and celebrate the successes we have with our clients, increasingly so as well. And so Although I might not be working with them on a day to day basis, I do get to see the results and what happens with them because I'm sitting right next to their account manager or I'm sitting across from the person who's doing their graphic design. So it's uh, definitely an opportunity that continues to manifest and become more and more expressive. And Carrie, you mentioned about
0: relationships and how you're able to, point. you're in the honeymoon phase when the yes. meet that. Yes. So can you give our listeners some tips in forming relationships? What, what makes you so able? To form these types of relationships mm-hmm. where clients really like you and trust you and and trust that you are really the expert in this space despite your, you know, less experience than some – I've had people in that position with 20 years' experience mm-hmm. who aren't able to do what you do. So – How are you able to form those relationships? What's a tip?
1: Uh, The first tip I would say is stop being so formal. We're a fun agency and we're young and we're different. And so even if I am speaking to someone who might be let's say like a bank institution, somebody who'd be super, super formal, you would think in a typical situation, they are not expecting me, at least in my company, to be super buttoned up and tight-lipped. And I think that being able to talk to them just as a person and to kind of drop the act of being so... You know, just formulated, and somebody who can't talk about things that are outside of business. That's one way that I've found um, makes it really successful for me to be able to make friendships and relationships. And I guess that's the biggest thing is I'm trying to make friendships, not so much just working relationships. And if you are able to kind of change your approach and go into it as though you were meeting somebody for lunch or meeting somebody for drinks, then you would see that it's a completely different dynamic. And that's what I kind of try to emulate versus such a business. In this relationship. So making it a, a more of a casual interaction,
0: the way you would talk to a friend or somebody that you would be sitting with at lunch.
1: Exactly. I, I think of it more as talking to somebody because I'm trying to figure out their challenges. It's as though I'm going out to lunch with a friend and they're saying, hey, I'm having some issues at work. Maybe we can just talk about it. Because honestly, for 80 percent of the people I speak to, they probably won't work with us for whatever reason, either because mm-hmm. we might not have the right services or whatever it is. So it's not like every relationship I have is going in for a hard sell. Not everybody is a perfect client for us, and we're not perfect for every client. And so the pressure of that sale is, for me, completely off of my shoulders in that first call. Mm. I don't think of it as a sale. There's no way I'm closing it in right. that call, in the next call, right. and the call after that. Right. And so the pressure is not really there because I'm really just more interested in hearing what their what their issues are
0: oh carrie it's kind of like that he's just not that into you <laughs> of sales. it's like you're i guess just, so you're just thinking like you know this is a conversation it's absolutely fine and then letting yes. it happen maybe that's why
1: i'm still single no <laughs>
0: don't say these things carrie you're still single because you've been so career focused of course <laughs> so speaking of being so career focused so you you grew pretty quickly um, at an organization which has people with many many years of experience, mm-hmm. was that challenging for you to navigate kind of politically to grow so quickly within an organization and and have people you know you're above people who are have a lot of experience? Mm-hmm. Is, is
1: that challenging for you? Well, I think it's definitely challenging. Um, I think that I have been very fortunate that the leadership at Likeable. <laughs> Is very open and nurturing of me. And so I have the fortune of saying that I'm, you know, very well fostered by the entire. Uh, management team. And so I have that support and that gives me the confidence to be able to go into other meetings and know that I know what I'm talking about. That's the main thing is that I don't want to ever think of it as politics as in, you know, I'm older than you, I'm younger than you. It's more about do I actually know what I'm talking about? And so I would never walk into a meeting with our creative team and start giving them art direction because if you ever see my doodles, (laughs) (laughs) they're not professional grade. But I certainly can walk into a meeting that's talking about a current client's strategy or something where I have a high familiarity with it and I do feel confident in myself that there's a reason that I'm there. And if I'm there to give value, then it shouldn't really matter that I'm a child. So you're not a child.
0: (laughs) But I think what you say is very important because I think as you have people who are on a a rapidly advancing career Mm -hmm. trajectory, it's important that In your advancement, you focused on the merit of your work and, like, is this a good place to be because you have something to contribute that is of value. And Mm -hmm. I think that's key. Yes. There must be a challenge for you with use of social media personally Mm -hmm. versus use of social media professionally. So you are obviously presenting this um, incredible presence to Mm -hmm. brands. When you speak to brands, they like you. They trust you. Mm -hmm. But you're also... Still a young person who Mm -hmm. still experiences life, and as you should, and Mm -hmm. doing all of those things. Mm -hmm. Do you struggle with what to post on social media and when?
1: Um, I do, and I will definitely say that I try to err on the side of professionalism. Not saying that I'm always portrayed as a professional, but that if I don't want my mom to see it, then I'm probably not going to post it. And therefore, I really do hold back on posting things that I think could either be misconstrued or could portray me in a negative light or, you know, whatever the case may be. I think that that is something that unfortunately, because it's so public, you just have to accept, even if you're going to a crazy, ridiculous place that is so much fun And there are go-go dancers and there's all these crazy (laughs) things. I'm just not going to post that because it looks like the irresponsible life that I don't want to be associated with. And so I do think that while it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate because you want to share with your friends and you want to, you know, participate in the social lifestyle that we live, you also have to realize that. Search on social is incredibly easy. It's only going to become easier. And you don't own what you put on those networks. Those, that's no longer yours. And so the fact that it's out there and it's associated with your name, that's something that you just have to kind of take as a loss and not put those things up. And so having experienced this and, and
0: building a personal kind of needing to be cognizant of your personal brand as you're growing in your career, growing quickly. Getting into a space where you're really happy and really talking to a lot of different brands Mm -hmm. and and really being seen as this person that is able to recommend high level strategies to Mm -hmm. these people. Uh, What advice would you have for other people, let's say mini yous, coming Mm -hmm. out of school and they want to be you? Because I'm sure anyone who would listen to you would want to be you, right? Mm -hmm. So you're coming out of school. You have this incredible trajectory. You grow so quickly. You're really well-respected, well-liked, all of of these different things. Uh, And so what advice would you have?
1: Um, Well, the first one would be that you should – take more advantage of the relationships that you're able to form versus necessarily the uh, duties that are written out in your job description. So I've certainly had job descriptions, at likable included, where there are things where I probably – wouldn't typically want to be doing them, or maybe they're not really aligned with something I'm super interested in. And there's things where I love to write, for example, and writing is not even really at all included into my job description, as you could say. But you have to sort of bypass that and realize that when you're young, this is the time that you're able to go for coffee and go for lunch and go into meetings. And if you're able to spark some interest from people who are VP levels or presidents or C-suite or whoever they might be. And if you're able to get their attention, that's where you're really going to be able to soar because what's in your job description, that's all part of HR. You know, that's not really the same thing that will necessarily be your talents. And so when I have friends who say, oh, I looked at the job description that doesn't really work for me, I always want to just shake them and say, (laughs) but don't you love this company and don't you want to be introduced to these people? And if you were to meet this person who's, you know, let's say a friend wants to work for a beauty company, oh, well, this isn't really the right job for me. I would say, well, if you were to meet a person who worked at that company at a bar, let's say something like that, you wouldn't be fascinated in what they do and hearing about their job and their company. And you know that they would be. That's where their passion lies. And so not focusing so much on all these extraneous details. I mean, I was hired to basically, I guess, write content or maybe pull reports. I don't even know what I was originally hired for. It's a good question. I'm not even really we sure. We have to look back. At the new business per- strategy. Perhaps associate. we have to
0: read the job description. Well,
1: the original job description, one of the Did lines. Did you write it yourself? Literally said, first of all, I wrote it myself. But then Mallory <laughs> corrected it, the VP. And one of the things was, do random tasks for the VP. <laughs> it just (laughs) said do all of the things as well and as a young 21 year old i said that sounds fantastically horrible (laughs) wonderful but the ability to make the connection with her and to be able to go to all these meetings with her that's where i learned everything and that's where i was able to really shine that's awesome
0: well, Carrie, thank you so much for appearing on all the social ladies. Of course. Today. You are one fabulous social
1: lady girl. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Karen.
0: You've been listening to all the social ladies with Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.